All right. Hey, it's it. Uh, I said it earlier, but it's it's just good to be together uh, with my church family. We we recently took a, a trip as a family to England for a couple weeks, and it was wonderful. Uh, but I'm a homebody. Anybody just love your people, and when you're away, you just want to be back home again. And every time I go away, here's what I realize: I we have a very special thing here. Uh, I got to attend church with my sister for two weeks in a row, uh, and just attending church somewhere else is, is an interesting thing for me, and uh, just in general, but it was a great church, wonderful people, but I just thought, I really love our church family, uh, and we have something very, very special. I want to give a, a shout out to, to Roosevelt and the men who uh, did a men's retreat. We were at a men's retreat this weekend. Uh, so if you see some guys that are a little bleary-eyed, uh, that's why. And, and here's what happened. When you, when you kind of intentionally choose to go away and seek the Lord, he meets with you. And he tends to dismantle you a little bit before he builds you up. So that's probably the tiredness and the, like, what just happened look you'll have on a lot of guys' faces today. Grab your Bible. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. It's near the back of your Bible. If you don't have a Bible today, we'd love to give you one at our, our Welcome Center. Or you can download an app. That's pretty easy, too. Um, we're concluding this series that we've been in called Family Values. And uh, Amy, our family pastor, has valiantly led us the last three weeks. Amen? She's done a great job leading us through this series. And so far, uh, she's covered five important values that are, that are part of faith de- development, foster faith development. And the values of time, love, story, mission, and tribes. So if this is your first Sunday and that's foreign or you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go back and listen to those messages from the last three weeks. Today what we're going to do is we're going we're to end this conversation by zooming in on just one of these things and looking at uh, some very practical ways that faith is formed. And we're going to do it by looking at the example of Timothy. And, and Timothy was this young leader in the early church who was picked up by Paul and, and trained and discipled, and eventually he's the guy that leads the church in Ephesus. And, and I want to suggest today that the same things that, that shaped Timothy, that formed his faith, that helped him develop his faith and foster his faith, they're the same things that are going to foster and develop your faith and my faith today. Those things don't, don't change. So let's read this together. Uh, then I'll provide a, a personal illustration and we'll look at some application. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, we're just going to look at the introduction. It says this, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. In just a, a few verses, we get some indicators of how the faith of Timothy was formed, how it was shaped, and also Paul's encouragement on how he continued to shape and form 
is faith. There's three, three elements I see in this for faith development uh, on a very practical level. Your team, uh, which we've been using the term tribe. I'm going to use the term team today. Your practice, there's certain things that you participate in that you do as a part of a team. And your game, and this is just how you engage with the world around you. These three things, everyone say your team, your practice, and your game. I'm going to unpack each of these. First, your team. Paul, Paul begins the second letter to Timothy by reminding him that he is a part of a team. He, he's, a, he's not alone, that he has people that have gone before him, that have carried the faith before him, uh, a team that goes back for, for generations. He talks about his grandma. He talks about his mom. They carried faith, and eventually it comes to Timothy. And then, and then Paul talks about his personal connections. You see kind of how intimate the relationship was between Paul and Timothy. He's, he's praying for him regularly. He's seeking that, that he'll be filled with joy. There's a personal relationship there. Timothy was, he was a part of a tribe or a team. He had a team of people. But here's the thing about teams. There are many teams uh, that are chosen for us. Uh, but at some point you have to choose your team. So you didn't choose the family that you were born into. If you did, I don't know how you did that. Uh, <laughs> you didn't choose the city that you grew up in or the elementary school that you went to. Uh, in school, you're placed on, on teams. If you're a young person today, you get put into groups and study groups, and those things are chosen for you. But as you age, you, you learn to choose a team, to develop your own study group or you choose a sports team or you choose a drama club. You, you, you learn over time to make choices where you want to invest your time and who you want to be connected with. I grew up in West Branch. I attended Ogemaw Heights High School. And not by choice, but I grew up in a town of 2,000 people. And it was a regional high school. That was the option. It's not like I could have chosen anything else. Ogemaw Heights High School, if I wanted to go to high school, that's where I went to high school. Uh, because that was my option. When I went to college, I made a choice. Actually, my freshman year, my parents kind of made a choice. And then I transferred schools my sophomore year because I made a choice. And I ended up going to school at Elma College. I got a picture of, of me. I played basketball at Elma College. This is me and my buddies. This is my team uh, in college in our glory days, right? <laughs> when it comes to faith, it's a decision to become a follower of Jesus. To join a team of Christ's followers, to become a disciple, it's, it's a choice. In the case of Timothy, again, he grew up in the context of faith. His grandmother and his mother, they carried faith. They lived as faith-filled people. But when Paul talks to Timothy, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. So at some point, Timothy had to say, this is what I've been in. This is what I've experienced. This is the team I've been a part of. Now I'm actually choosing this for myself. This is how I want to live. This is who I want to live for. And every team that you join throughout your life has a way of operating. There's kind of a code of behavior and there's a way of relating to each other. And you get this. This is true in your workplace. This is true in the Navy. This is true in your family systems. There's certain ways that you behave and operate. And when you, 
when you choose a specific team, you're actually choosing to be under their way of existing, right? Their way of being. Again, as an example, when I chose to play at Alma College, I chose to be a Scot, fighting Scots, and wear maroon as a team color, right? That, that was a choice. I chose to live in Alma, Michigan, where the school was. I chose to be under the direction of Ed Catala, who was our, our coach. I was no longer a Ogama Heights Falcon wearing brown and gold. I was now an Elma Scott wearing maroon and white. That was a choice, and I signed up to be under the leadership that was there. In the opening sentences of 2 Timothy, Paul reminds Timothy, listen, you're on a team, and it's a team directed by King Jesus. It's a team that that is guided by the Spirit of God. It's a team that, that can sustain you in, in all things. A team that spans generations. Sometimes uh, I think we need gentle reminders of what team we're on. Have, have you ever, maybe you can speak for yourself, or don't speak for somebody else, speak for yourself. There are times when you begin to operate outside of the way your team, in terms of our faith context, you start living in a way that doesn't match the team that you're a part of. And that's where we need each other. To say, hey Amy, that's actually not who we are as a team. <laughs> that's not how we function as followers of Jesus. We, we need each other in that way. Your team, again, is, it's, in, it's instrumental in how your faith is formed. You've probably heard the, the phrase, you're the average of the people you spend the most time with. You tend to pick up traits and beliefs and, and those types of things. This is another way of saying that your team or your tribe forms you. So the question is, who's forming you? And who are you spending time with? I just got to spend a couple days with a bunch of guys who are saying, we follow Jesus. We're on Team Jesus. And because of that, God worked amongst us as we worshiped him and chose to be together. So that's the first element, your team. Now let's go to practice. It's not rocket science, uh, that if you want to grow in your ability at something, you must practice. Correct? We all know the phrase, practice makes? Okay. And this is true in any and every discipline. doesn't really matter. If, if, if you want to learn the guitar, you have to practice. If you want to hit a golf ball straighter, you have to, you've got to practice. If you want to get your driver's permit, you have to... Yeah, to the chagrin of your mom and dad. You have to practice in order to develop. That's just how it works. And the same is true for your faith. If you want to grow your faith, there are things that you get to practice. In verse 6, Paul encourages Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God that was within him. There was something that Timothy could do there was something that Timothy could put his mind to. There was something that Timothy could practice that was going to help his faith grow. And the picture is of like an ember that's fanned into a flame. So he says, Timothy, I want you to fan into flame the faith that is inside of you. There's something that you can do. There's a practice. There's things that you can do that will do that. And he's repeating something that he actually said to him in the first letter to Timothy. I'm going to go to that, 1 Timothy 4, 
12 says this, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. What's the next word? Practice. Practice, Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. So there, there are a number of practices as followers of Jesus that are incredibly important for us, that we actually can engage in that help us develop and grow our faith. I'm just going to point to one here. You know, there's many prayer, solitude, fasting, but Paul regularly encourages Timothy to stay practiced in the scriptures. It's actually very common for Paul to point back to the scriptures, the holy scriptures. He's He's telling Timothy, stay connected to the word of God, to, this, to the scriptures. Teach the scriptures. Beyond that, beyond just studying them, teach them. Everybody knows that when you start teaching something, it makes it a little more serious for you, right? So he's telling him, get in the practice of doing this. If you want to grow your faith, this is true for us. If you want to grow your faith, the practice of reading, reflecting, and studying the scriptures is vital. It is absolutely vital. And this is true for Timothy and it's true for us. But here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing about practice. Sometimes you don't want to do it. Are you with me? <laughs> there was a drill that I absolutely hated in college on our basketball team. It was a box-out drill. Now, if you're not familiar with basketball, a box-out drill is just stopping somebody else from getting the ball after it bounces off the rim. And so this drill, they, the whole team would line up at the top of the three-point line, and the person that was doing the drill would stand between the line of the team and the hoop. And our coach would walk around with the basketball, and we never knew when he was going to shoot it or how he was going to shoot it. Normally he didn't shoot it, he would just like whip it off the backboard or something. And, and the job of the person that was doing the drill was to stop the other person from getting the ball. They had to box them out. And you had to do this not once, but three times in a row successfully before you could be done. This drill was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. In fact, it was so bad that, our, that the teammates, like, they were in line, would start going slower, Right? to try to help you win, which would only take the coach off and we would have to run. Like, like even processing this with you is like giving me like gut problems because this is a horrible, <laughs> I hated this drill. Practice, practice is something that you don't always love, but it's something that's important if you want to grow. If you want to develop, when it comes to the practice of reading scripture, sometimes it can feel like a box-out drill. <laughs> sometimes, like, you start reading, especially if you're just beginning to read the scriptures, and you're like, what is going on? This is so confusing. Who are these people? What are they saying? It, it, when you don't know the whole context of the Bible, it's like you're entering into a world that's so foreign, 
And so you start reading it, and, and if for some reason you pick up in the Old Testament in the middle of the prophets, you're like, good Lord, what am I getting myself into here, right? And often it can be like, this is too much for me, and I'm not going to read this anymore. Practice is not something that it is always like, yeah, I'm so stoked. Here we go. But over time, through practice, the pieces start coming together, you get better at it, and it makes more and more sense. The reason that we push ourselves to practice in something like basketball, and I would say it's the same for our faith, is practice is what prepares you for the game. And it's the last thing, right? Your game. When it comes to basketball, all the crazy stuff that our coach put us through, it had a purpose. There was a reason for all of those things. It wasn't random. Every drill that we did was part of preparing us for Saturday night when we would play our league competition. The practices were incredibly important. And beyond winning and losing, here's what every game, every competition, every contest reveals. It reveals how well you have practiced. This is what the game does. It shows what's actually been happening. When your basketball team is shooting 30% from the free throw line, it's probably a practice issue, right? When, when your employee continues to botch their presentation, probably a practice issue. When, when the pilot is having trouble landing on the back of an aircraft carrier, maybe you should practice more. It's kind of a serious thing, and they do practice a lot. Your game simply reveals what you've been practicing. So back to Paul Timothy. The game for Timothy was pastoring a church in Ephesus. And what we can gather is that the game was beating Timothy up pretty good. That's why the letters were written. So, so Timothy is, is engaging in his calling and he's caring for people and it's overwhelming to him. The division is, is overwhelming. The people are frustrating. He is, he is kind of exhausted and he's ready to be done. So Paul writes him a letter. And what does he tell him to do? What does he invite him to do? He invites him to practice. He sees, he acknowledges the difficulty that Timothy is in, but the encouragement that he gives him is actually go back and continue to practice. Again, your game is one of the most faith-forming parts of your life because it's constantly providing feedback to how you're actually doing in your practices in your daily life. Are you with me? So what does this look like for you and I today? You know, your game, you're not pastoring a church in Ephesus, but your, your game is whatever you're navigating in this season. Your, your family, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, maybe you're in, in the military, maybe uh, you're a teacher or you're an administrator. Whatever you wake up tomorrow and go do, that's your game. And when you go do that tomorrow, what will be revealed when things get difficult or people get challenging is what you've been practicing day in and day out. It's actually through 
the difficulty of, of navigating sometimes overwhelming circumstances that our faith is revealed, that our faith comes to the surface or, or not, right? I'm, I'm currently in the season. My game right now, a big part of my game is raising two kids. And here's what I'm realizing. Here's what's coming to the surface for me. I have a long way to go in demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit in my life. Like so long, right? I, I am recognizing just about every week that in particular, I'm far too serious in life. Like I am far too serious. With my children, I want my children to be adults. And so I talk to them and I treat them like they should be adults, but they're five and seven. I share this at men's retreat, but... Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we went to England, and we're on this trip to England, and uh, we're on a train to Oxford. We're going to go visit Oxford, and we're, we're sitting at a table. There's two benches and a table, and I got my kids, and we're playing cards on this table, like looking out at the countryside. It was just like awesome, right? And Zeke, my son, he looks up at me as we're playing cards, and he says, Dad, why are you happy? I was like, oh. And what I shared at Men's Retreat on yesterday, whew, this may be for somebody because I didn't write this in today. The way that my son relates to and connects with me, how he perceives me affects how he re reacts and connects with me. So, so unfortunately, and this is an area of growth for me, unfortunately, he sees dad as serious <laughs> and not fun, and often there's a distance. He's unsure if he can connect with dad. In that moment on the train, he realized, this is happy, dad. I can draw near. So we talked about this in men's retreat. How you see the Lord, what your picture is of God, is going to affect how close you draw or how far you stay away. The game right now is revealing to me, I gotta laugh a little bit more. I gotta enter into the, just the, the joy of like, Shirley has told me this, like just follow Zeke on his terms. Any parents do that well? <laughs> like we're doing what? It doesn't make sense. That's what the game is revealing in, in my life. Now, how about you? What is the game? What is your game revealing about who you are? About what you believe? About maybe some areas where, where the Lord's kind of tapping on your heart saying, hey, I want to talk to you about this. Or this seems to be happening regularly. Over and over. So what, what's going on there? And... And it's not to shame or condemn, it's to heal and restore. When the Lord starts to speak to us about things, when the Spirit stirs us up, again, I said it during worship, He is eternally for our good through Jesus. So when He starts to stir you, when He starts to challenge you, when He starts to convict you, trust me, friends, it's for your good. Even if it means dismantling something you're currently doing. 
because he knows your life, the beginning and the end. And if you're in something you shouldn't be, he's going to say, hey, that's not going to end well. Let's change direction. Because he's a good father. Amen? Amen? He's so good to us that he speaks to us like that. So when you think about your game, your assignment, and your current responsibilities, your family situation, what is regularly being revealed? Do your practices, do your, does your response to life situations, do your reactions, do they reveal faith and trust in the Lord or not? And what could the Lord be drawing you into in terms of getting back to practice? Here's the beautiful thing. The church is designed to be a community, a team of people that works on practices together and grows in our faith. So you are a part. You're a part of a team. You're a part of practices. We've done many of them today already. We've worshiped together. We've prayed together. We're reading the scriptures together. These are practices that form us. You're a part of that. Our faith is formed by our team. So a few things. I'll wrap this up. Worship team, you guys can, can join me. First, um, maybe the concept of tribe or team strikes a chord with you, and maybe even what I talked about with Timothy is strikes a chord with you that, that Timothy was a part of a faith structure, but at some point he had to say, this is my team. Maybe, maybe you have been a part of a faith structure, or you've been in a faith context, you've been a, a part of the church, but for you, you haven't made a decision to say, Jesus is my king and my Lord, not just my families or my uncles or my grandpa or grandmas. And today... That's what the Lord is talking to you about. And he's been stirring you in that way. And he's saying, you can trust me. I'm, I'm actually a better Lord than you're trying to be. <laughs> and if that is you, it's really simple. You just say, God, I'm hearing your voice right now. And the way that I'm living, the way that I'm orchestrating things, it's not working, and I need you. Come and rescue me. I want, I want you to be Lord and King. So maybe that's you. Maybe today is a, a day of, of change. If that is, I recommend telling the people that you came to church with, talking to, to somebody, one of us, we want to celebrate with you and walk with you. That's the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life. Now your practices. Maybe your takeaway is to evaluate your practices. If scripture reading is not a regular part of your journey, it's time. <laughs> and it may be time to work on, on incorporating that into your day. And, and I, love, I love doing the Lectio Divina Journal as a church because it is, it's not overwhelming. Whenever we do the yearly reading plan, that's overwhelming. <laughs> And it's good, it's a practice, and we'll do it every few years, every couple years. But right now, one of the best things you could do is just jump in on this Lectio Divina reading plan. It's a few verses a day, and the goal is to stay engaged with the scriptures, believing that God speaks as we do that. So, join us in that. And don't do it by yourself. <laughs> Find some other people to read with, uh, and process with. 
finally your game. Uh, tomorrow, again, you're going to wake up. You're going to go to work. You're going to wake up with your family and your kids. You're going you're gonna to address the people that have routinely become a part of your life. I believe that God has you where you are for a reason. Wherever that may be. Colby, that's true for you at Starbucks. God has you working at Starbucks for a reason. And the way that you live for Jesus is affecting people beyond what you could imagine. Just as you go to work and serve alongside people. I could go around the room, that's true. Joel, when you're, when you're flying and, you're, and you head back out again, the people that you are living your life with, your faith in Christ is having an impact. Stay strong. He's called you. Each one of us, when we go to school, when we are selling homes on the island, when... These are, it's not a chance. There's, there's no chance in that. The Lord orchestrates certain things. Do we, will we, I guess, will we believe that tomorrow morning when we wake up that God might actually want to work through your life tomorrow? He might, he might encourage somebody through your life that would never darken the door of a church but might come to know Jesus by the way you behave tomorrow. It makes like the day a little more exciting, a little bit more nerve-wracking, but but exciting, like, oh, let's go. Tomorrow's a good day. And he's king, and he's leading everything to his kingdom someday. And we get to be a part of ushering in his kingdom by the way we live, trusting King Jesus. Anybody want to live for the King Jesus tomorrow when they wake up? Will you stand with me? Lord, we, we just <laughs> are so grateful. Your pursuit of us is overwhelmingly good. And Lord, you remind us, you inspire us, you encourage us. Lord, you challenge us, you break us down. You do what's necessary in each one of us for your purposes to take place. And we choose to trust you. We choose to lay down our plans and our agendas. We choose to trust King Jesus and the work of your spirit. Lord, where we need healing and restoration this morning, we trust that you are our healer. You're the one that can restore. Or where we need uh, understanding and discernment, we trust by your Spirit that you provide knowledge and wisdom. We turn our eyes to you. Thank you for leading us and guiding us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's worship together.